Today in TFC Stock Geeker, we're going to explore a company that is broadly diversified in itself. There is a saying that if you own this company, you essentially own the whole exposure of China's growth. What started as an e-commerce company has grown into a group of various commerce offerings from B2B, B2C, C2C, supermarkets, on-demand delivery, essentially all forms of commerce you can think of in the 21st century. They are either a dominant or a prominent player in the space. But that only accounts for two-thirds of their business. Honestly, I'm not even sure if we can cover everything today. They are growing in all directions. So joining me today to geek out on this e-commerce giant is Thomas Steele, our in-house stock and tech geek. We explored the giant Alibaba, which has been beaten down by the market potentially over geopolitical situations between China and the US. But their core businesses have been growing steadily with cloud computing, commerce solutions, international expansion within their belt. Their core is very strong. And we did what we could. There are a lot of different small little things. And I think a lot of people try to talk about this company and it's very hard to talk about every single component. We did address end financials, we talk about their growth expansion, their work culture and all this different stuff. But if there are certain aspects that you want us to go deeper, drop your comments in the comment section and we can explore as a follow-up. For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 29th of May 2021 and released early to our community members. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Let's geek out! We are back again today to talk about another big company, you know, out there that is uh, extremely popular. I think because this time round, um, they've been sold down, right, for whole two years, man. Com coming two years already, lockdown it's like close to two years, and they've been consistently sold down over the past two years. <laughs> Although their business is growing, their fundamentals are amazing. Their cash cow, you know, big cash cows in their business, and they have dominant positions you know, similar to that of like Google, similar to that of like Facebook in their own localized environment, but they're being sold down. So I think a lot of uh, big players in the game, a lot of uh, value investors or a lot of like big names, hedge fund owners, they are all starting to pile in position on this company. And that's why we're going to talk a little bit more about this company today together with Thomas. So what is this company we're going to talk about? This company is Alibaba. Yeah, huge, huge company, right? <laughs> And I think everyone just recognizes it for its uh, e-commerce component, but I think there's a lot more to it as well. Um, yeah, so Alibaba, I think it's been talked about in a few other circles, uh, a few other uh, investors, analysts, and all that kind of stuff. So I think they, they talk about different parts about Alibaba, and there's just not enough time to cover the entirety of it. Uh, so if you just... <laughs> that's that's how big they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was looking through uh, one of their annual reports, right, where they try to map out the their organizational structure and then uh, different variable entities and all that. Right? It's in the hundreds and thousands, mm, even mm, yeah. Mm, so there's mm. entities upon entities and all that kind of stuff. I know there's a there's a joke going around. If you buy Alibaba, you don't need to diversify. It's already <laughs> diversified. It's in every yeah. single corner of the tech space of China's market. So that that's, is, is wow, yes. Mm -mm -mm. So really end-to-end -end play here. La. Yeah, so so basically Alibaba, there's a few things happened to it, right? Um, over, over, over these last two years. So uh, other than the trade war, COVID hitting, and then uh, there's also anti-monopoly investigations by China. Um, they also hit by the... Uh, 
well, N Group is kind of related because they, they indirectly they own uh, like 30%-ish of, of uh, Ant. Um, so the IPO was uh, postponed, if not cancelled. Um, <laughs> yeah, for, for, for the longest time, uh, yeah, people have been saying like it's, it's cancelled already. But I, I think it, yeah, it's, it's postponed will postponed. be optimistic. You, you, you mean like yeah. Tokyo Olympics? Uh, is it like, like 2020, postponed, we postponed. Dude, it's going to get cancelled, right? And I think the, the whole end financials essentially... It's gonna get it's it's gonna get cancelled lah. Oh, it's gonna get so restructured that the original value of N Group, you know, it's very much diminished. Um, and mm. I think there's a there's a lot of discussion about it, and we can have a good discussion about it as we go along. But yeah, mm, mm, so so I think Alibaba, everybody knows them as the the Taobao, you know, the 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 e-commerce. But could you kind of run us through like what is their business like? Because they are actually very complicated. They got a lot of intercompanies involved, right? So what is their setup like and, and all those kind of stuff? So the main bulk of uh, what they do is in uh, what you call core commerce. So any transaction that's done on the internet. So let's just generalize it as that, right? So uh, let's say we're familiar with Lazada. And then there's Taobao, there's Tmall, and uh, maybe um, Alibaba.com if you happen to visit it, right? So these are the things that we are uh, familiar with because it's what uh, Alibaba is exposing to the rest of the world. But there's also the China uh, portion of that, 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 that core commerce, right, which we may not be so familiar with. So this is like other e-commerce websites in China. Uh, 1688, Tmall in China, Cainiao, uh, Kopei, Kaola, Tmall Global, Fresh Hippo, AliExpress. So if, if you've been to China, these are very, very interesting experiences, right, which you really don't get anywhere else. Yeah. And they are, you can say like, they are actually the first in the world to actually do it also. Uh, so we can talk a little bit more about them later. They also have uh, this Erla.me. Uh, basically, they have a Grab equivalent already. Yes, that's a yeah. Grab equivalent, yes. Mm-hmm. So, we think like, okay, Grab's going to IPO already, right? Uh, oh, sorry. Grab's going to go into uh, uh, the, 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 the... Yeah, spec. Yes. So, basically, that whole spec equivalent, right, is Alibaba already has it. So that, you can really factor it like, okay, you want to do comparables and something, right? It really factors whatever valuation Grab is uh, having, mm-hmm. lah. Uh, so this core commerce, right, you can split it between what is facing the consumer and versus what is facing uh, the, let's say, the B2B side of things. Uh, so retail and then consumers. So the consumer side of thing is, uh, say, like, uh, can be C2C, consumer to consumer. They sell stuff that they get from somewhere else. It could be reseller, right, or they make their own products and they sell uh, something like a carousel, something like a Lazada, something like your Shopee, right? But this is all within China, yeah. Then there is the... Uh, product supply side right, where recognized brands right, put their items right, onto this platform so that Chinese buyers will be able to buy directly. Yeah, so this is your Tmall or your Tmall Global. Tmall Global is just facilitating global brands. So it's like the branded version of Lazada. All your Nike, all your Adidas, all your Burberry, all is there. Yeah, but they'll never be on Taobao, for example. So why is because there's also uh, price sensitivity. La. You wouldn't put the branded items onto Taobao. Taobao is where you find all the cheap items. You just want something very simple. Uh, let's say you want to buy, okay, microphone stand, go to Taobao, right? Don't go to Tmall. Tmall is you want to buy the very expensive microphone stand. You want very something very fancy. You want your Sennheiser and Bose and all that kind of stuff. Lah. Yeah, so this is the difference. Then there's the new retail segment. New retail segment is uh, what Alibaba is experimenting, right? Um, trying to redefine the whole retail shopping experience. So you walk into a shop, right? You can get recommended the items that you want to buy. Right, you feel feel the item and all that kind of stuff. You can make a purchase and then it's shipped back to your house. Yeah. 
So that's a different kind of experience. You don't actually like carry things out of the market unless you really, really, really want to. Yeah. Then there's the local consumer services. So this is the earlier uh, service. This is basically your grab or delivery, but for China. Uh, mm. So uh, they generalize this as the digitalization of restaurant and service industry. So digitalization in the sense where um, you connect these independent third-party restaurants and all these right into that one single app and you facilitate the order and the delivering for them. So it sounds very, very similar to your Grab app today and your delivery, delivery app today. Lah. Yeah, but they already had it a long time ago, right? Yes. So they also have the logistics portion. Uh, logistics portion is, is uh, supporting, say, their, all the commerce portions that we have talked about earlier already. Uh, this is the tiny network. So extremely, extremely big network of delivery supporting their own as well as for other uh, e-commerce sites, but primarily their own. Uh, they fulfill the orders, right, for cross-border as well as international commerce. So this is an important part uh, because some of the products, right, is uh, sourced from overseas, say like Timor Global. Uh, some of the products is locally grown or locally built and then they ship it outwards also. Yeah. So this like um, directional way of handling the logistics, right, is very important also. So your reverse logistics, your outgoing, your normal uh, way of logistics also, they are also handling everything uh, in and out. So very, very big network. And then lastly, we have the international segment. So this is your Lazada and your AliExpress, which uh, if, let's say, you're, 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 you're local and you think like, well, Lazada quite big. Well, I say no. In percentage terms, right, for Alibaba, it's very, very, very small. Yeah, a bulk of it is really coming from your core commerce from China. Nice. And you see, just to try to run through all their major components in their, in their revenue chain, in their business model, we took a while, right? And there's so many things. But I think broadly speaking, we can further just kind of simplify it to the core commerce, the logistics and support functions, you know, which mm. are like your, your tiny network or even like Alibaba Cloud, right? So all these are actually a spin-off from their original business. It's very Amazon-y like, in that sense. It's kind of like Amazon. They started doing this whole like online e-commerce and blah, blah, blah. And then they, they realize that they have very big data infrastructures and then they spin it out as an additional revenue source. So a lot of your Tainiao or is it AliCloud is also a similar idea. And then there are all these other new acquisitions on the site, or actually not so new already, but all your international acquisitions, which is, which is quite a gameplay within the Alibaba playbook, right? They always acquire abroad. They don't really do a lot of acquisition locally, but... If they want to expand abroad, they will acquire uh, abroad. Lah. You know, okay, mm. but they, they did do some... Okay, I have a caveat, right? They did do some acquisition locally, things like Yuku and all those kind of additional stuff. But definitely not like Tencent. Tencent is outright acquisition with a monster. This is buy, 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 buy and invest, invest, invest. So I think Alibaba is a little bit more strategic about this. They do a lot more acquisition abroad, you know, as a way of expanding, you know, rather than mm. the whole like internal, just buy, buy, buy all your competitors uh, strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, good point. I, I missed out uh, Ali or Alibaba Cloud. So that's their cloud division. Uh. Um, mm. So you see for e-commerce, uh, once you handle these payments processing, you handle the logistics and all that already, right? You'll find that you just have a growing, growing need, right? For cloud, whether it's storage and for compute. So it makes sense for Alibaba at their scale, right? To have their own uh, service supporting all their different uh, core commerce functions. And then they realize that, okay, okay, I have the economies of scale. Why not I just push it out as a product as well? Yeah. Mm. So that's what they are doing. Yes. And uh, a little bit of clarification here. Alibaba as a company only owns about one third of N financials. 
right, as uh, N Financials as a company. So N Financials, within N Financials, there's the whole like Alipay, MyEZFU, uh, all your insurance, your investments, all the things that like your stash away is trying to build or all your robo-advisors, all they're trying to do is like PayPal plus stash away plus Square plus robo-advisor plus everything, all your broker put together is N Financials. Okay, so all the leading financial services that people are engaging in, N already does it and they have done it for a very, very long time. Okay, in China, you can literally buy the power on the street with like uh, uh, Alipay. Okay, so all these things are put together in N financials and Alibaba as a company only owns one third. So the revenue that is coming in from N financials is actually not directly accounted within their financials. They are not a 51% owner of this company. This is something that you need to know. So don't be too hyped about, oh no, N, you know, blah, 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 blah. It actually only accounts for a very, very small revenue, you know, depending on is their dividend being placed out. But the revenue is not directly factored into uh, the FS, the financial statements of the Alibaba group. Yeah, I think that's something that people need to uh, get some clarity on. Mm-mm-mm. So in the FS, you look at the valuation of uh, that as uh, basically an investment. Uh. They own yes. that 30% of N Financial. That's the only way that the valuation can affect Alibaba. Yes, yes. But it does not actually have direct influence to the revenue number or the cash flow. None of those things. And this is a accounting mm. practice. Okay, we can talk about this in more detail another time. But generally, if a company does not own more than 51% majority stake in any other company, then they will be considered an investment and there's no direct influence with their financials. If any company owns more than 51%, it's considered a subsidiary. And then all their revenue and all that uh, can be factored in together and uh, kind of written down as part of the FS. All right, mm-hmm. So that is uh, something that uh, people need to get a bit of clarity on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes, but are you concerned about the complexity in the business model before we go in to dive deeper? Not in the sense that the business models are complex, but because there are a lot of entities holding small little little parts. And then you as an investor, you're buying the, the, the US ADR, you know, and uh, <laughs> all those kind of stuff. Are you concerned about this structure? I think the structure is something that uh, you should be concerned about because there's no clarity in what is the actual revenue generated from each of these uh, either subsidiaries or, or holding companies or whichever entities under a holding company. So they have holding companies of holding companies. They have variable entities of variable entities. And all this is just a black box. What the reports will just say is like, oh, it's just consolidated into these segments, core commerce and cloud, right? And then maybe into the individual uh, businesses, uh, right? But there's many, many other relationships in between um, who actually owns what you you don't really know so yeah so management uh, insider ownership it's a bit difficult to get into uh that being said uh, that is a risk um we look at the upside la. it's it's a chinese company it's like the 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 jewel of china right although yes uh, anti monopolistic competition and all that kind of stuff government won't just say like oh just dismantle alibaba right no way no way right and some of the valuation has to be uh, true also because you just compare uh, how much China is growing uh, in terms of e-commerce. Look at JD, look at Pintuoto, look at all the other uh, uh, similar competitors. La. If that kind of makes sense that they have a certain market share already, the numbers kind of make sense also. Yeah, mm. yeah fair. I, I honestly don't think um, the numbers are being as manufactured as what people are saying. You mm. know, um, 
there, there are some objective standards to this and like you said, you know, you look at their competitors. Honestly, if you want to like make every competitor flout their numbers and, and you know, just kind of like stage this crazy act for the global community, right? That's pretty yeah. hard, lah, right? Uh, but right. exactly your, your, your talk about being very concerned about the kind of shared ownership, the, all the internal ownership, that part is, is, a, is a gray zone. We're, we're not very sure what's going on, but the, the business itself is uh, very interesting and very powerful, right? So let's go into the business models that uh, we, we have talked about, some of the major business fraction. Like I said, and like Thomas has said, right, th this company is just too big. We cannot go into every single thing, but we're going to talk about the interesting stuff, you know, and uh, give you a broad overview. If you have any particular business function that you want to find out more, um, feel free to drop in the comment section and then we can have an ongoing discussion about that. Yes. So... E-commerce, uh, starting out, basically you need buyers and sellers and you are the platform provider, right? You, it's a chicken and egg problem. So the number one thing you need to do is that, okay, uh, before you attract any buyer, you need to go and sell something. If not, you're going to go to them and just say, like, oh, I have a platform, right? Nothing interesting. Why should I join? So getting that boots on the ground, uh, you call them like business development or partnerships. Basically, they work with a lot of different uh, uh, sellers. Maybe uh, if it's C2C or B2B kind of things, they say like, hey, I've got a platform. I can promise to bring you this amount of traffic. I can promise to bring you this amount of uh, sales even, right? And basically, this is a very uh, very basic bread and button thing that e-commerce needs to do. If there's no attractive products on it, I wouldn't buy. If there's no attractive bulk discount, so I wouldn't buy, right? So once these people are on board, then it's really the marketing side of things uh, to attract the different kinds of buyers, whether it's a B2B buyer or it's the consumer, lah. And then once they are actually interested, they want to transact, right? You have your payments processing. So your payments processing are uh, uh, in line with assuming your orders and your, your, your uh, uh, flow is okay, right? Your payments processing has to be smooth. You don't want to have a uh, kind of user experience which is so bad. You need to go and transfer the money to another bank, hold for like three days and that kind of stuff. That used to be the old way. Right, and then um, there was Alipay that came out with the escrow system. This was like totally revolutionary. No one else did it. Right, then everyone else started copying. So this was one of the first things, uh, worldwide, um, that even even say like PayPal didn't didn't look at. Yeah, so PayPal only did a, a fraction of it. So Alibaba with its end to end kind of uh, uh, uh value chain uh, from the ordering all the way to the fulfillment. Right, they were able to do this also. Then um, the next thing comes where you need to go and fulfill these orders. So the logistics, really building out the network to make sure that it's smooth. People want to be able to be delivered within a certain time frame and these time frames need to be met uh, under certain constraints. It's within the city, people expect one-day delivery, you have to meet one-day delivery, right? Uh, if not other e-commerce, they just pay some other logistics provider. I'll provide you within three hours, flat. Mm. Yeah. Mm, mm. So I, I've heard from a friend in China, right? That it's possible to order his food uh, and get it within 30 minutes. Crazy, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and in Singapore, within our small um, um, island already, right? We, our minimum weight is, say, 40 minutes, 45. Yeah, sometimes mm -hmm. the order is all lost. I don't know. Cannot deliver <laughs> to the ocean or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And when I was there, actually, I had the same experience uh, with Elema, uh, which is one of their you know, food delivery platform, or with uh, even with Taobao on 11.11. You know, when everybody is shopping on 11.11, the power of data, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's exactly true, but the data pickup in Alibaba is so crazy, right? That 
by the time you are scrolling through, they already adjusting their supply chain. They already can predict how many people wants to buy that particular goods and send mm. to their regional you know, hubs so that once you put your purchase, they can immediately send it out. So the mm. next day or the day after, I can already get my goods unless I'm ordering from some weird corner in China. But no, <laughs> I was staying in Shenzhen. The big hub was in Guangzhou. So it's not that difficult for me to get my goods. But it's still pretty mind-blowing that on 11-11, when so many people are shopping, I get my goods the next day. Not everything, but you know, 50% of the things I purchased came next day. So that's pretty wow. Mm. That was already a few mm-hmm. years ago. Mm. Mm. And if you think about it, right, the singles day or all these shopping events, right, there's mass, mass, mass volume of orders. It's just a sudden spike, right? How do you handle that kind of load? This is not your normal day. It's like suddenly mm. it's maybe two months worth right, of orders, right? It's all coming onto one or two days or in a single mm. night, right? So that kind of scale, uh, that infrastructure that you need, right, is tremendous. It's not easy mm. to build. Uh, it's not something can, you can just outsource to AWS, right? Your bill is going to be super, super high. So mm. that's why uh, it's also important for e-commerce companies to look into having their own kind of uh, cloud infra that can support this. Uh, so that being said, they, they had uh, Alibaba Cloud. La, and then eventually they rolled it out as, a, as their own product as well. R&D, very important, uh, not just in terms of their whole e-commerce chain. So we talk about the ordering, we talk about their uh, different uh, platforms, say like Tmall, Taobao, and all that kind of stuff, but also on the back-end side of things, right? Making sure that this can scale and um, moving the, the business forward, not just in terms of, oh, e-commerce, I can only stay in e-commerce. I can't do anything else. So uh, another important thing for Alibaba was making sure that they control almost the entire supply chain. So this new retail concept, they are trying to engage with the retail uh, providers themselves and really uh, transforming the experience right, such that they really get the data right from the start from the retail experience itself. So that can actually fine-tune how they sell their stuff online. So mm-hmm. this is quite interesting and I don't see this being done uh, uh, anywhere else yet. Maybe say Amazon, right, but for uh, fresh goods. Uh, yeah. Mm. So, uh, mm. Giving a little bit of colour on that on that uh, offline data collection process of smart retail right, or new retail, right? It's, 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 it's very interesting. There are multi-sensory... Um, devices they are being put on shelves they are being put on the product and when you go into the store you log into the store it's just like how honest b try like honest b try to do the same thing here you, you have an app and then you log in to the place you don't even need to 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 pay to check out but the moment you you log into the app and walk into the store they're already sensing the distance between you and that particular product and how how long you're holding that product. So all these things are small little little data points. Where do you walk? What is your what is your movement pattern? You know, so it's like a heat map. It's like a literally an offline mm. heat map that is happening and they're collecting all this data and they will know at the end like what's going on. And you are on their app, they can push you marketing, you know, based on the product. So it's it's pretty wild. And I think Herma does a crazy job with that. So Herma is a supermarket, uh, Herma Chao Shi is a supermarket venture that Alibaba is, is doing and yeah, they, they, are, they are the ones that started this whole thing. They experimented this thing in in uh, supermarkets, right? So you don't need to pay, there's no checkout, you just go in with the app and then you log in, you scan everything and you just walk out, right? So all that seems like just a great experience for you but it's also a lot of data being collected for them. Right? Yeah, so man. I think that's that's something people don't realize. Yeah. So from a from a tech standpoint, right, that's actually very very advanced. Really, um, you talk about let's say smart nation or having the Internet of Things, all these sensors and all that, right? Which country has it? Which company has these kind of things? It's only in Alibaba, mm. only in these Chinese stores, actually. Yes. Yeah. This is yes. uh, it's like the 
the dream of the data scientist. Like, oh, give me all this exactly. data. I can get all these insights, right? But we are a long, exactly. long way from that. Yeah. Uh, so, so Alibaba is quite ahead in this uh, concept. Mm. And, and also these data points, right? They come from the demand side of things, right? Because that's the consumer. You see their interactions. They are interested in this and all that. That also factors, right, in their whole production process. Let's say they also control, uh, say, for fashion, right? Uh, fast fashion. Uh, they, they very easily know what is the uh, kind of uh, trends, of certain kind of fashion styles and all that, right? This same data is in real time being fed to the manufacturing side to produce the kind of designs right, for the next trend already. Not season, yes. uh, trend. So the next trend yes. can be next week or the, the, the following already. And this is already being sent out to all of their other uh, partners to tell them that, okay, the trend has changed. You want to order more? Uh? So mm-hmm. immediately, right, they can already clock up the next trend's uh, 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 revenues. Yeah. So this is this this whole integrated supply chain is very very powerful, very powerful, and there's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion. Has have you ever thought of how a particular fashion trend, let's say like we're gonna wear black, right? This particular season is black. Why got suddenly so much black cloth sitting around? Right? <laughs> it, it does not work that way. There's a lot of complexity behind the fashion industry about how they push media, how they structure certain things, how, how a lot of things are already pre-planned. You think that you your fashion taste has changed or the, the trend has changed. Actually, they are you know managing this whole trend. They are kind of building narratives around the trend and they have all the media power behind that. So I think Alibaba does it like even one level above, right? They have all these partners that they have. They have the supply chain. They can do all this and they have Yuku, they have all these other platforms that they can use to then push a particular idea, you know, up mm. to you. So I think, you know, sometimes when we talk about tech companies, like all sexy and interesting and like, wow, they got all this data, right? Actually, a, a little bit scary uh, sometimes when I, when I look at the amount of power and influence they have, you know, all congregated in this. Because you last time, you just do online data, that's already very powerful. But these guys, Alibaba specifically, they have mastered the art or they are leading the art of offline data collection. Right, and, mm. and that is that is very, very wild. Yes. Mm-mm. Suddenly you see the celebrity or influencer wearing some blue skirt, right? And then like two weeks later, everyone's buying blue skirts. Eh, why? Ah? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That, that is, is all part of it, right? So the new retail mm. is is very, very powerful, you know, in, in China itself. Yeah, so essentially, I think that's the, the major processes of, of Alibaba. Of course, there's others, but it's, it's more minute. Lah. This, this is the, yes. the, the crux of, of things. Mm. Yes, yes. Some of the important metrics to look at is like a big company, right? So what's the, the, the biggest thing that we should be looking at uh, to, to, to really see how Alibaba is performing? Uh? Uh, so what, like what you mentioned, having, having an idea of what the consumer is thinking is pretty important, right? So the consumer mind share, you have uh, also the wallet share, how many people are spending on what, right? So you can do all these kind of surveys to get the number of active users on certain kinds of platforms. But uh, with this kind of data, also you will be able to know where they're voting with their wallet. Yeah. Mm. So at the end of the day, uh, if the customer buys something, it probably means really they're willing to 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 invest some money into it. Uh, that already came from a certain thought that they had. Now, if you can influence those thoughts, then you can influence people's wallets. Yeah. Mm. And then you just mm. keep spending more and then you realize like, eh, yeah, nothing saved. <laughs> <laughs> this is all part of it. No, no, you're safe on end financials. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy. These guys are nuts. Yes, yes. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, then for uh, Alibaba's core commerce itself, uh, something that we can really dig into is say the number of the merchants uh, because we talk about the, the buyers and sellers part of things. Like, okay, so the number of the merchants is the number of sellers, right? On these different platforms. So like say Tmall, there's global brands, there's 250,000 different brands there, 
global brands. And Taobao has 10 million. So 10 million different kinds of merchants, right? So if these numbers are decreasing, something is wrong, right? They are probably going to other kind of platforms. And you see like, say JD, there's an uptick in this number of merchants also. Something's very wrong. Yeah, someone's winning, mm. right? Yes. Yeah, so, so this is, is pretty important. If they are not releasing it, then uh, we have to find some way to go and get uh, Because this is the crux, right? If you don't have the things that people want to buy, there's no reason for them to stay on the platform. Yeah, so this is yes. the, the, the basic of the growth. Mm. Mm. And uh, I think there's quite a competition between JD and Tmall. Right? So JD is not trying to fight the Taobao business, right? They're mm. trying to fight the Tmall business, which is exactly like what you point out, the premium brands, because brands don't want to be associated with Taobao, you know, like, like cheap shit, right? They, they mm. want to really go with that full supply chain and support system. There's a lot of uh, back-end support in, in the infrastructure that people don't see. As consumer, mm. we only see the front end, but Tmall mm. is building that that whole supply and support. Uh, but well, JD is also doing that, right? So there's a little bit of competition between the two of them. And uh, there is this whole debate about exclusivity, right? So it's the idea with the Google Store and Apple Store, similar things, okay? So they are, they are fighting two, two of them. Um, and there's a little bit of anti-monopoly thing going on. I'm not sure will that happen because some anti-monopoly trust is talking about how Alibaba is making sure all their merchants are exclusive so then they don't jump yep. on the other platform. Right? Yep. So um, maybe in the past they have some advantage but if this antitrust plays out then we want to see the numbers. Are merchants still very sticky on Alibaba's platform or are they jumping? If they're jumping then oh, that's a, that's a sign that things are not, not, not so well but yes, exactly what you point out. I think that's a good point to know. Yes. Mm. And also diving deeper into uh, the type, the, the who is the merchant, right? Because not, it's not just the numbers. You say Burberry or some other brands are moving over. The specific ones, right, is more important than the number itself, right? Like, okay, we lost 10 brands over the last month. Like, who are those 10 brands? Are those your biggest brands, right? <laughs> so, so uh, it's not just these raw numbers. I think uh, Alibaba is actually uh, fighting back uh, with this anti-monopoly thing by the numbers game, right? But they're not revealing who actually uh, left, la. Yeah, who, who they're actually controlling, rather. Um, so they say it's like, oh, it's minuscule, it's only 1%, right? It's nothing much for our competition or so. But that matters a lot because they're holding the, the very, very sizable brands with them. So another thing that we can look at is the uh, mobile monthly active users. Basically, everything is going to be a mobile app in China, right? You just order stuff uh, through the phone and you want to see whether these users are increasing. So we're looking at the sellers, we're looking at the amount of activity and all that. Same as how we looked at Facebook and all that. This is, this is a common number, la. Uh, we also has a, have the annual active consumers. So these are the people that are actually uh, more uh, inclined to buy things. So there's a certain way of this is calculated. Basically on the China retail marketplaces, uh, they must have had a transaction within the month, right? Or maybe above a certain amount. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how this number is calculated is important and you try to standardize this across all the other e-commerce companies, right? To really see um, who, who are really buying. You can have tons and tons of active users, right? But if no one's buying, then what's the point? Yeah, so you compare these two numbers. Uh, say your monthly active users throughout all your, your China uh, uh, core commerce, right? It was 902 million. Wow, okay, very big. And then if for other e-commerce, they say like, okay, out of 900 million, right, only 500 million buy. Then it's not so good. Why? Because Alibaba's one is at 780 million. Like, mm, okay, that's like very, very large percentage. So we can be sure that these users are, are not dormant. They are actually people that continuously transact and they're contributing to Alibaba's PNL and if you're an investor to your stock price. Mm. 
Fair, fair. So, so that, that's the user core, right? Which for all tech companies, you got to look at MAU, monthly active users, and you got to look at you know, the average revenue per user and all those kind of things. I think these are core matrices that you cannot run away. You know, but mm. how, how is Alibaba performing particularly in the active users? They're so big already. Are, are they still growing? They are still growing. They are still growing. Um, so the last reported versus the, the, the previous year, you know, previous month, for example, is 902 million versus 880 million. Yeah, so it's, consti- it's, it's still continuing to grow. Uh, although that growth rate has, uh, of course, reduced because the number is larger. Uh, mm. But still, people are coming on board. Fair, fair. The, uh, is this, does this number account for all their other channels? Is it, you know, like Facebook, you know, you use Instagram, you use Facebook, you use WhatsApp. Do they account that separately? Or, you know, is it just, just generally the number of users on all their platforms? Number of users across all of their core commerce platforms. So your Taobao, Tmall, Alibaba.com, Tsainiao, uh, Alertomi, okay. Kopei. The, the, there's a whole list. La. Yeah. So they consolidate mm-hmm. across. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's not so uh, transparent if you want to go down to individual platforms. Uh, that one is a bit difficult to get the data. Uh, mm-hmm. But we can, however, um, see the revenues by categories. So that at least helps. So uh, certain kinds of platforms, they are... Um, very good for certain kind of categories. So we can kind of know that there's more growth there. So like uh, FMCG or home furnishing is, is for a certain kind of platform. And uh, say for uh, JD.com, they're fighting very hard on like home electronics or that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And they're very strong in that, but Alibaba has its own platform which is strong in that to fight them back also. Yeah. So for example, mm-hmm. T-Mall Global. Uh. And another one you can look at is uh, gross merchandise value, also known as GMV. So this is the total amount of uh, transacted value, right, uh, in their platform. So this one, this number usually is like very, 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 very big, right? But uh, for platform-based kind of companies, this GMV is important because usually they make a percentage of that GMV transacted. So mm. they can charge, say, fees to the merchant. It can be commissions of the product, right? It could be true uh, if you're looking at, at end financial, uh, uh, definitely the, the percentage cut that they get or from the credit card and all that kind of stuff. Uh, GMV is important. So... Uh, if they take just a very small percentage of that, say like 1%, 1% out of 10 billion or 100 billion that's being transacted, right? Uh, that is, is you can kind of forecast revenue from that already. Yeah. Based off the expected spending. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I think a lot of people, when they look at GMV, right, they don't realize that the, the amount of services that, that these platforms can add, right, is quite insane. And they can, if they are very dominant, they can add a lot of, you know, margins on top of that so as long as the fundamental gmv is growing uh, which is an extension of the user base growing which is an extension of like supplier sellers <laughs> growing right so they're all kind of interlinked but then don't be too mesmerized by this whole chain at the end it's still about the services how much is are these companies you know really making from all these small little little things from payments to shipping to marketing and all those things they do add up and with the platform, they have many ways to monetize, you know, in, in, in their view. Uh, but yes, I do think like some people, when they, they, they just keep cheering the GMV, they also don't look at other people, uh, like their competitors, what, what their competitors are doing. And then mm. you look at yourself because a lot of these services fundamentally are very commoditized. You know, whether is it payments, whether is it logistics, whether is it um, advertising, they're very commodity based. Okay, not in the sense that everybody can do, but in the sense that every big guy can do. 
right? But why these sellers stay on this platform? Why are the consumers coming on this platform? So they, they are, it's all part of an ecosystem and you cannot look at them from an independent standpoint. They, they kind of all come together and I think that's something that people uh, need to recognize. Don't just pinpoint one metrics and say like, hey, you see, they're doing very well just because of these metrics. Now you you want to use that as a whole vision to see the whole thing. So you can look at Alibaba as like the one of the leaders in e-commerce. If you, let's say you want to compare between Amazon and, and Alibaba, uh, Alibaba is progressing in a different area. Amazon is progressing in a different area, right? But the maturity of an e-commerce company, right, they are there, right? They have advanced just beyond taking like, say, platform fees. They have their own cloud, right? They have their own delivery network and stuff like that. They are operating at a different scale already. So you say like, oh, if let's say there's a startup that wants to compete with Alibaba, wow, xiao ah. <laughs> you know how much infra and investment you need to do to reach to that stage, right? And mm. um, I think this this is also is, is related to modes which we can talk about. Lah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's good Good stuff. I think we have a very broad understanding of uh, Alibaba across how to try to look at platform businesses like that, right? So let's, let's go straight mm. into financials. Like how mm. much are these people actually making and where are they making money from? I've got the numbers from uh, March 2021 and uh, versus March 2020. So let's compare uh, from previous years. Lah. So this recent quarter, it's 29.1 billion versus 17.7 billion. Mm. This is just revenue. This revenues. is revenue, right? Revenue. This is revenue. Okay. Yeah. Wow, it's crazy. Nuts. So it's, 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 it's insane. And uh, where is it actually coming from? Lah? Okay, so uh, we talked about revenue by segment earlier, right? So... China commerce, right? Their retails, so all your 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 domestic kind of uh, e-commerce platform, right? It's sixty nine percent. So sixty nine percent of their revenues actually come from China commerce. So so that's what we mean by a bulk of their revenues actually still comes from China, right? Cloud mm-hmm. compute, their Ali Cloud and all that only constitutes seven percent, but it's growing very fast. It's fifty percent year on year growth compared to last year. Yeah, their other kind of services is uh very small. Right, but they still make up revenue. Things like your uh, your Yuku, your uh, Chinyao, international commerce, and all that uh, Lazada. It's all two to five percent each. Two to five percent mm-hmm. each. Yeah, but totaling up, right? That is about twenty three percent of your total revenue. Mm-hmm. That is actually you could say exposed to international la. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not bad, not bad. Um, is it's not totally China, but uh, you can see that they are also doing something about it la. Yeah, not just stuck in China. Okay, okay. But I think I think when it comes to cloud computing, they are one of the biggest guys in China. They have a dominant position yes. you know, in terms of uh, China, be, being being in China itself. Because, you know, the Chinese cloud market is also controlled. It's very centri- they don't have foreign players really being in the game. Right? So they are kind of in a process of protecting their ecosystem so then they can grow and grow and grow. Alibaba is one of the biggest. But I think Elvin from Dr. Well did talk about like, He's concerned whether the cloud pickup will be very high, right? Uh, because relative to the US, you know, hardware is very cheap here and labor is very cheap here. Relative, okay, relative cheap. Mm. So people may not want to go on the cloud. Uh, a lot of companies may still prefer the earlier days of internet in the US, which is literally having your own in-house service, right? Mm. So there may be a transition period. So don't be too mesmerized by the, the cloud computing numbers, but definitely the, the cloud revenue is, is very big. And if it follows the trajectory of how Amazon does it, wow, this, the company is, you know, they're going to like, double, triple, pretty wild, you know, like just that business alone, right? So mm. how, how that will affect the stock price and all that's up to you to, to think about it, yes. 
But I think that is the that is the part a lot of people are talking about, like Ali Cloud, you know, as a as a growth revenue. Mm. So I do have some numbers. Uh, according to Gartner, right, it's the third biggest cloud provider in the world. Mm. And in China, for the market share wise, uh, so yes, they are the market leader at 40%. Second mm. place, it's Huawei Cloud at 17%. Tencent is third at 15%. And then fourth onwards, right, is everyone else. Mm. Okay, mm. Uh, 40% is quite sizable. Uh, yeah. and, and mainly the growth comes from internet, retail, public sectors. So it's mainly to serve their own needs first. And then extending them out, right, outwards. But it's really forty percent. It's huge. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Whether or not they can actually grow faster than that is ultimately depending on how much is the uptake inside China itself. Uh. But I think there may be actually constraints about this. I'm not too sure yet. But my speculation is that it's because there's not enough cloud compute resource in China. This is my speculation. Yeah. Um. So a lot of it is actually going towards crypto mining. And <laughs> yeah, uh, it's not being used for more productive economic purposes uh, if you look at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So government is doing something about it. But that, this is just my theory. Yeah, it's a working theory. I'm still trying to get more data. Mm. Fair. Let's, let's see how that goes. Uh, continue to stay on the back end to see Thomas' interesting discovery as he digs deeper. Yes, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's so, all okay, related, so, right? We, we talk about NVIDIA, yeah. Semicon and all that. It also factors into yeah. cloud. It also factors it's into It's all part China's. of it. Mm. Yes, is how much you understand and how that visual image in your head plays out, right? So yeah, other than top line revenue, it looks sexy, it's growing, you know, quickly run us through all the other parts that you think are important for us to know. Yeah, so expenses, right? Your yeah, revenue is so great, you sure got expense one. So it's uh, 10.8 billion versus 5.2 billion. So it almost doubled. Actually, like it did double. double. It is double, yeah. 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 Uh, the revenue did not, of course, double, right? But yes. uh, pretty close. Pretty close. Mm, mm, yeah, we, we it's still reasonable that you still are in, in you are still profitable at least, right? Uh, in comparison to say Amazon, right? Um, anytime they stop spending, then they're profitable. They just keep reinvesting into the firm. But in this case, Alibaba is already profitable. Yeah, mm. operating margins are at three x. You know how insane that is. Three hundred percent operating margins. Yeah. Uh, as in, I think they grew three hundred percent. Oh, they they oh they grew operating margins at three hundred percent. Okay, yeah, wow, yeah, that's yeah. pretty nuts. Yeah, and yeah. and this comes with scale, right? This comes with the the kind of the network scale that they have. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, cash flow. If you look at the net profit side of things, right, it's three billion versus three hundred million. So this is what we mean by a few times difference or so lah. So that translates into the amount of cash that they have, right? Just from uh after spending everything else, really, this is a free cash flow. Three billion. What are you going to do with that money? So reinvest, la. okay, la, fine. La. But if you compare <laughs> you got to do something. Yeah, but if you compare with Amazon, right? Uh, Amazon has really spent the free cash flow somewhere else. This is just free float. So you can mm. redistribute it back to the investors in terms of dividends. You can keep it in the bank. You can pay the government some money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa. That one's sensitive. That one's sensitive. In terms, yes, of, tax, yes, in terms yes. of taxes and fines. Oh, okay, yeah. yes. In terms of taxes. Yeah. Uh, but it's free cash flow. Uh, Post-tax already. Mm, mm, Alright, mm, mm. we'll see, we'll see uh, how, how it goes. Uh, we don't go there, okay? Don't go. <laughs> but yes, I, I do hope that they spend their money. Um, but I'm not as an investor, I'm not very hard on say like you must spend, you must spend it. Because I think some investors when they look at a lot of these companies that are generating a lot of cash, right? They'll be like, why you don't spend? If you don't spend, let me spend, right? Mm. But it's like it's kind of like Apple, right? Apple for a very long time they have a lot of cash just sitting around, right? When you buy Apple, you're just buying cash, you know, for mm. 
for a very, very long time. But hey, look at where they are, right? Now they've, they've found the thing that they want to double down on and they have all these resources that they can double down. Whether it's the M1 chip, building their hardware infrastructure, you know, in a, in a much grander scale and, you know, kind of do something different that they believe works, right? So I, I do hope mm. that Alibaba has, has that future in mind. Um, they're playing with a few things, but... Like we gotta see lah, because sometimes when you look at these kind of big companies, the problem is not that there's no growth in the smaller segments. It's just the the growth is amazing in these smaller segments. It's just that because they're so small, you don't end up looking at them. You don't be like, mm, you know, like maybe Herma mm. is growing them fast, but you don't have exact data on it because company either does not report. They report in a in a collective fashion, mm-hmm. or you know, the the growth is just not just not as sexy as the core business. Right, but I, I do I do hope that they can talk more a little, a little bit more about their innovation, where they're spending money, what is the future, and all those kind of things as as they go along. Mm-hmm. So I think one more thing to be slightly concerned is their high debt la. So it's it grew uh about five billion. So it's thirty six billion as compared to thirty one billion. Yeah. So uh a bit high la, But if you look at it, it's a whole entire structure behind Alibaba. Right. There's whole other companies also. So this is your consolidated mm-hmm. amount. That being said, it's not say it's it's a few times above their 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 assets or their or their if you look at sales and all that, it's still okay, yeah. Uh, mm. but for some maybe they 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 might think it's too high lah. Taxes are also another thing. So of course your revenue your profit go higher, your taxes also higher lah. Yeah. So it's one billion as compared to four hundred million. Nice, nice, nice. And I think EPS is going very very well also, right? Yep, yep, yep. So uh, from twenty nineteen till now. Uh, so it was 4.97 earnings per share then it became 7.9 and now it's 8.35 yeah mm-hmm. I think overall we from a from an objective uh, view on finances they're definitely doing very well from from a financial standpoint okay other mm. than a big debt load lah, but um, it's 10x of free cash flow it's not too crazy and uh, in given given such a financial stake can definitely raise debt and kind of kick the can down um, yeah, so it's it's not it's not all bad, but definitely something to note, you know, with within the debt structures to kind of see how they manage this, and also it's always about reinvesting, right? reinvesting, reinvesting to the business or investing into some growth channel, right? So that is that's the main concern, you know, when I look at Alibaba, not so much the big debt lah, but you know, depends on your investment palette, you really gotta understand that part. Yeah, so I think financials, um, there's only so much that we can really go through because they are a very big and established company already. There's no real, like, you know, um, odd things going on within their financials or, or, or quote-unquote interesting things going on in their financials. They are growing, very consistent. They are doing what they can um, and leveraging on the current situation. But whether or not it fits your investment palette, you've got to make your own decision, okay? So I think the, the, the big thing that people want to find out is management. Because mm. Alibaba is a, is a very interesting company that started by Jack Ma, but Jack Ma is no longer very active within this, um, this management. And some might even say that, hey, the state is controlling this company from its management <laughs> structure, right? So, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the management and kind of see what's going on here. Sure. So... Uh Jack Ma, he's no longer the CEO. He's, uh, he also stepped down, but uh, was replaced by this person called Daniel Zhang. He's now chairman and CEO. Uh, he was a director in Alibaba since 2014, and he was the COO of Alibaba 2013 and 2015. 
Okay, basically he's been in Alibaba for the longest time, just in different positions. Uh, 2007, he was a CFO of uh, Taobao Marketplace, then the GM of Tmall. So just ju- basically jumping around where he's needed. La. And then uh, way before Alibaba, he was a CFO of uh, Shinda Interactive. Basically, they do online games development. This was also listed on Nasdaq. Uh, he's on the board of uh, SunArt and Weibo. So SunArt is basically that new retail uh, uh, angle that Alibaba is going towards. And then um, that's, that's Daniel Chang. So pretty strong. Uh, CFO and CEO experience has been in the company for the longest time also. Uh, we also have jo- Joseph Sai. So he was part of the founding team since 1999. Private equity investor background. Uh, Sweden's Wallenberg family. Basically, it's a family office, quite big. Uh, he was also a general counsel of a management buyout firm. And then he's a he's in the tax group of uh, Sullivan and Cromwell. And he has a JD from Yale Law School. So a lot of background. Right, part of the founding team, quite strong. It's not say like some random person that just oh let's start Alibaba, right? It's, it's someone mm-hmm. with some background one, la. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, uh, the CFO currently is uh, Maggie Wei Wu. So also CFO since twenty o seven. Okay, so we talk about uh, Daniel Chang being CFO of Taobao Marketplace in twenty o seven, and then Maggie Wei Wu is CFO since twenty o seven also. So <laughs> there's a lot of these um different kinds of roles uh, that's being played by different people. And actually, this kind of structure is more common than one would think, right, for e-commerce companies. I'm not sure why, yeah, but it just seems to be a pattern. So there are some duplicate roles, there are some like extra roles within a certain company because at that time, right, it's needed. Then after that, they're rotated somewhere else, yeah. So for Maggie, uh, she's also the head of strategic investment since July 2019. Uh, previously, she was an audit partner at KPMG in Beijing. So also quite uh, somewhere, lah, yeah. So she's able to, to, to contribute in that way. And we have Michael Evans. So Michael Evans is uh, is the director and president. He was the pr- vice chairman of Goldman Sachs from 28 to 2013. Like, eh, suddenly very random. Like, Alibaba is a Chinese company, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so, so they, they have uh, some kind of um, international presence also la, in, this, in this aspect of the management. Um, Goldman Sachs for quite some time, he was a global head of growth markets from 2011 to 2013. Yeah. And he's bought of uh, Barrick Gold Corporation. So Barrick Gold is quite one of the one of the biggest uh, gold kind of mining mining companies. Yeah, in the US, yes. uh, for all the gold speculators out there, you 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 would know. <laughs> then we have uh, Judy Tong. Judy Tong is the chief people officer. She joined in two thousand, so also uh, almost one of the founding team members uh, Just one year shy. Mm-hmm. Then uh, previously vice president, uh, senior vice president in construction, real estate, procurement <laughs> companies. Um, so, in twi- so it, mm. yeah. So so it does not sound like these guys are randomly plucked from anywhere. No, not at right? all. These no. guys are you know. So in in that sense, when when we look at the management, should we put faith in these guys because they do sound like they know their stuff. It's not it's not like how uh, some of the the English media would put it up to say that ah oh, you know it's like random people running the company. No way, no way, no way. Uh, they might be random, right? If they just started out in nineteen ninety nine. E-commerce. No mm. one knows what e-commerce was was about. Uh, internet bubble just uh, kind of uh, just about to burst, right? Then maybe in two thousand you start your company. It's like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, siawa. Mm. Yeah, but they they stuck through, right? They stuck through. They were there like twenty one years really. Mm. So uh, totally not random. Even the people they bring on board is also uh, uh, people that can contribute one lah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course they do have a CTO. So that's very important. It's a, it's also like a tech company. It's not just some platform right so uh lee chung <laughs> uh he was the founding engineer of alipay from 25 to 27 yeah mm. 
there was a previous CTO. Now he's the president for the uh, Alibaba Cloud Intelligence. His name is Jeff Zhang. So um, he was the CTO from 2016 to 2019. Then before it's handed over to Li Cheng. Yeah. So he had various management positions uh, in uh, Taobao, B2C development team, Alibaba's China operations, Tmall, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so why this is important? These rotations, right, means that um, the person has stayed throughout different points in the company's growth, right? So at certain uh, inflection points, right, they focus on Tmall, certain inflection points, they focus on Taobao. But you have the same person right, who understands the entire end-to-end technology infrastructure. You don't have people going in and out. If you look at some startups, right, that happens. There are startups out there who rotate the CTO like five times on and then uh, <laughs> keep raising rounds, right? To rebuild the infrastructure, mm-hmm. rebuild the infrastructure. Yeah, this doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so quite stable. Uh, people that know what they're doing and it's all related experiences also. Yeah. Uh, so far, la, there is no government person inside management. Uh, usually, like for Chinese companies uh, that they want like control, uh, they will send a government representative, right? To, to, to be on the board or something or maybe inside a management mm. team or so to influence some direction. This isn't happening. Yeah. So I, I don't think that that claim that um, government has a lot of influence on them is true. Right? Uh, Alibaba is still conforming to what the government is wanting them to do is maybe ill time that Jack Ma said something. Yeah. But mm. Jack Ma has mm. no actual uh, uh, influence right over what the management team is doing. So basically they are still um executing the best best thing that they can uh, and following the government as much as they can also without the yeah, regulation. Th- th- yeah, those are very political. I mean, there are a lot of political elements in, in what has happened with end financials and the whole listing and, and all those kind of stuff. Some people are saying, oh, it's it's nothing to do with Jack Ma. It's just like, it's just part of their pursuit to kind of clean up the whole tech. They kind of reel in the, the tech guys, mm. right? Um, so then they can have a little bit more control over the financials of the country. And Just Nice, Jack Ma said that Just Nice, they use it as a political pool. You know, so there must always be a story, right? There must always be a reason why they are doing it. And so, yeah, it's 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 all the jazz and, and whatnot. But overall, from your view, you will grade the management team as a, as a pretty good management team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So quite up there. Uh, someone you would trust with the management of the company in future years or so. You want to look at the things that they have done before, but you also want to look at the things that they promise and whether they achieve it. So far, yes. And they have actually exceeded uh, on, on several quarters. Uh. Nice. Okay, so that's good. That's, uh, finding comfort in a, in a strong management team of, of one of the biggest company of China, if not the biggest company of China. Okay, mm. so then when, when we look at you know, Alibaba with in, in such totality, they're so big, they're doing so many things, right? I'm sure they they have a lot of modes that, you know, gives them that kind of advantage to continue to double down on. Right. So other than modes like uh, infrastructure, other than modes like, you know, um having that kind of, you know, economies of scale, right? What what are some other things that, that when you look at Alibaba, you will say that oh these guys they have a particular mode in something? I think it's the market share. So look at their core business, core commerce, right? Um, let's say you dominate 55% on the market, whichever e-commerce platform you look into it. That's pretty sizable because you have a lot of data. Um, you have a lot of uh, consumers that's on board to your platform. You can sell anything else, any other service, right? You also look at cloud. Uh, they dominate, say, 40% of a growing market. We're not sure what's the speed of that growth, but a growing market. Uh, that in itself is a pretty big mode, which people... Uh, when they look at the number, like, say like, okay, you want to compete Alibaba. So, <laughs> are you sure? 
right? You really want to go into e-commerce now, right? Maybe 20 years ago, sure, when everything was starting out. But now in this position already, it's a very, very big uh, sunken cost that you need to do, right? Just to even match up, right? And uh, the closest competitor, let's say for core commerce, right, is JD. And JD versus, uh, say, the rest of all the other platforms, right, of Alibaba is very, very small. Alibaba is going to make money in other, other areas. Like, I don't care. You fight with me that way. Okay, la, one platform just fight you back, right? JD in itself is just e-commerce. Alibaba is e-commerce plus cloud, plus payments, plus more and more and more and more. Yes. So you look at the totality of things, right? This is a pretty big mode. Yeah. Other kinds of modes is perhaps the branding also of each of these different platforms. Because you have this market share, you know that you have a certain probability of success to succeed. Not say like you are any kind of seller, you put all, what, your own clothing brand, you'll make money, lah, right? But the chances are higher because more eyeballs are there, right? And more people are on that platform and they're willing to find something of value. And because you plug in with the rest of their ecosystem, let's say you know the data points from the consumer's demand, you know how to also advise the manufacturing to change according to these trends. You also have the influence on uh, how people are going to uh, perceive new trends, right? Or maybe you influence with your own trend also, right? You have all these pool of influencers, you have this pool of uh, very big marketing campaigns. This is a very, very sizable advantage also. It's just like, um, let's say Instagram versus TikTok. Now TikTok is a big thing, right? All the eyeballs are there, same thing. All the marketers go to one. I must have Facebook, I must have TikTok. Anything else, right, is secondary. Mm -hmm. But these two first, deprioritize everything else. Same thing for Alibaba, if you're in China, like, why aren't you on Tmall? Why aren't you on Taobao? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. So this is a, a, a mindshare in that in the kind of aspect, right, for the seller as well as for the buyer. So like, let's say we put into local context, right, between Lazada and Shopee, for example. I right, say, why are you shopping on uh, Lazada instead of Shopee? Why are you shopping, why are you shopping instead on Shopee instead of Lazada? Vice versa, la, whoever wins, up to you, right? But it's never a conversation where it's versus like the fifth player or the sixth player. I don't want to name names. Zalora. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to name names. The, the, okay. The, the position changes every time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. But you wouldn't be like this, right? Like you shop from uh, some weird e-commerce company that just started out as compared to mm. buying it on Lazada or Shopee. Why? Why would you do that? Yeah, so that kind of mindshare mm. is still the same thing. Yeah. Along with that comes with all that kind of economies of scale, uh, which you mentioned, the infrastructure and all this. These are all the supporting stuff. La. So your payments, your mm. logistics, your cloud storage and compute. Uh, after you get all your data, you have a very strong AI models to reinforce the entire chain. Then people are just basically coming onto your platform because of all these more and more advantages of coming on board. Uh, yeah. So very, very strong mode. Well, we, we, we match up like selling the company already, you know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, everything is good. Uh, this company is good. They're good. Everything is good. Uh, uh. But I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. Um, it, is not, it is not one of those businesses that you could just come in and they have fundamentally changed the way businesses operate, you know, in, in China and around the world also, right? Especially in Southeast Asia. Um, as the extension of how Alibaba did it, a lot of people started copying and, you know, and they, they, they improved to localize. The, the way people shop. Exactly like what you said, right? In the past, people will set up their own shop. Now it's like, why you're you not on Shopee? You know, and uh, in the past, people also set up their own own uh, online commerce in, in China. And then there was like, uh, Weixing, like WeChat commerce. And then now it's like, just Tmall and JD and, you know, and it's no longer, you don't set up your own infrastructure anymore. You don't set up your own shop front interface anymore. You just use them and then you just sell your product. Just focus on selling your product, right? So, it fundamentally changed the way things work. But, 
I think like what a lot of people recognize, so tech is moving very fast. You know, um, what is happening now may not be what is going to happen into the future, right? So there's always a premium added to tech companies when it comes to the innovation and the progress. And we want, and I want to see a lot more interesting things coming out of uh, Alibaba and all that kind of thing. Because I think mm. they have been spending a lot of time doing that backend infrastructure, whether is it with China or whether is it with... Um, Ali Cloud and all that kind of stuff, which is great. Those are important. Those are the core stuff, you know. But I do want to see, you know, more firepower in Herma, more firepower in Erlema, and and try to see how they can continue to innovate with with uh, maybe with digital games or with different different things, um, fighting Tencent and you know do all this kind of stuff. And uh, it's it's a it's a little bit of competition ongoing uh, in the Chinese market. But you know, it's kind of sad that. Alibaba is so synonymous with like China, China, right? Like mm. why, why as such a big company is not going further abroad, right? So I think with that, right, we, we've come to, you know, the part where we want to kind of go into like the headwinds, tailwinds and what are the growth opportunities. You know, we do that for every single episode. And yeah, I want, I want to hear, especially the headwinds uh, discuss, you know, because I think it cannot all be like, oh, very good, very good. Everything very good, right? You know? <laughs> so yes, yes. Walk us through some of these uh major macro trends, headwinds, tailwinds, and opportunities or potential risks that you see with Alibaba? Sure. So I think headwinds, the biggest one would be the relationship between US and China. I think this is a big one everyone sees in the news, right? So at the end of the day, the darlings of either US or China is going to take the first hit, right? Either through the trade war policies, it could be uh, some government intervention, right? You suddenly cannot transport uh, this good across my borders, or I increase the transaction fee somehow, Alibaba is going to get affected, right? So um, they will try to position themselves as an international company, but at the crux of it, right, it's still Chinese, right? So mm. can't, can't escape one, can't escape. So this one does affect things because uh, basically it's at the whim of the politics, right? Politics change, then the fundamentals of, of Alibaba might change according to that. But uh, so far, still okay. Based off its local growth, based off its uh, attempt to go international, still okay. But with the second point in mind, it's COVID. So of course, COVID is going to slow down a few things. It's going to speed up other things. But uh, it's a mixed bag for, for, for Alibaba. Um, certain countries will have uh, more kind of stringent policies. And you will not be able to see uh, how that is actually affecting each of the individual platforms because of the complexity of Alibaba itself. But definitely, COVID is affecting any business uh, in some way. Yeah, it's, it's just which, which part of the value chain are you only? Um, Alibaba owning the entire value chain in most occasions, definitely going to get affected. Yeah. The uh, other kinds of headwinds, I think um, it's also internally produced. So if you read on Glassdoor, don't take it from me. Just just read from Glassdoor, Alibaba, or any of the other uh, uh, companies uh, that Alibaba owns, right? The culture is not that great, right? And you hear a lot of stories that uh, actually it is this kind of top-down culture. Um, I heard stories about it also, like real-life excerpts. So it may lean towards true. Lah. Yeah. So that is actually, that might be affecting why their international expansion is a bit slow. Uh, based off the way that they run the companies, even for international. Uh, put into comparison, say for Tencent, it's opposite, right? Although they acquired a company outright, right? They let the companies run the show. You know the market well enough, I trust you, go and run the thing. You need help from me, just ask. It's that kind of relationship. It's even where Alibaba, no. I pay you money, you listen to me. I don't care whether you're, mm. you, you, you know the, the market on the ground. I know better because I've been a company longer than you have. 
Like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> How do you respond to that, the right? The 996 culture, 996 work culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, 1010 also has a kind of 996 culture. It's, it's, it's just implemented in a different way. Uh, uh, but it's more of like the, the management to management. Uh. Let's say you are the CEO of your startup. Then suddenly you got, uh, uh, you're sharing the company with uh, Alibaba or say Tencent. Which kind of uh, investor would you rather report to? Someone that just let trust in you, let you do your job, knows that you are the expert in that field, just execute. Or someone that just micromanages every single thing, right? And then mm. anything mm. that is important, uh, you need to fly to China to go and report. What the heck, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, some it's people nuts. may have certain preference, to, mm. <laughs> uh, but most of the time, uh, people will rather opt just do their own thing, right? I, I know my market, I know my locals better, just let me go and execute. Yeah, so there's this very big difference la, between, say, Alibaba and Tencent culture. Yes, yes. But I just want to put it out, these are not documented. Right? These are like uh, anecdotal things that we're seeing. You know, uh, people, some of our friends commenting on some of these things and Glassdoor reviews and uh, some of all these things are very anecdotal. There's no, you know, like report saying that. Da, 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 da. So, so, but, you know, anecdotes and stereotypes there's a reason why they exist you know mm-hmm. at some point in time it becomes you know some sort of reality lah, right so so that's that's how that's how it is and uh definitely see that as a problem when it comes to scaling beyond uh, the chinese market but yeah good good point that you've brought up then Mm-mm-mm. so related to to international expansion also is uh they may face certain kind of restrictions because of uh, either the trade war or implied from it so as part of the trade war and negotiations you can just say like oh U.S. say like, I want to ship less corn to you. And China's like, why? Like, uh, 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 we always need that kind of uh, amount of corn, right? And China say, you better do it, right? Or I will block any investment, right? From your Chinese companies, right? Into my, into my uh, uh, market. Then China's like, hey, what the heck? Yeah, then there goes Alibaba. Right? Your opportunity to invest into U.S., right? It's just gone. It just, it just mm. totally cannot do anything. Uh, same thing for India. It's just blanket. You can't, you can't enter. Same thing for, say, ByteDance. You can't enter. So. And then end up, uh, someone produced the local equivalent of it, then your market share is gone already. So these kind of things also can be triggered, uh, I think, through politics, not directly from the trade war itself, but it can just spur out at any moment. Yeah, because you're such a big company, right? You are just the focal point, really. And I think that's important to note, especially when understanding big companies, right? It's a, and these are not like one of the big companies, are like the big company, right? One of that few very, very big companies and they are extremely susceptible to politics. They're extremely susceptible to these kind of growth trends internationally. And that is something that I think a lot of people need to understand because for, for companies that are in the T, right? In the trillions uh, or in the like hundreds of billions of dollars, you want them to multiply, you want their capitalization to double, to triple. They really have to go into new markets. They really have to go abroad. And all these international things then start to become a problem for these companies compared to just understanding um, smaller companies that are like mid cap or like you know 10 20 30 billion that they're just trying to grow their market segment they're trying to optimize their product they're trying to you know expand their market share they're still well within the cozy space of uh, just growing and not being that concerned about legislation not being that concerned about politics but when you look at these kind of companies which are like huge huge microsoft facebook google alibaba tencent all these big guys they are all very, very, you know, they, they have a whole legal department just handling all these things and that it's, a, it's a war zone uh, when, they're, when they're doing international geopolitical stuff. So I think that's something to note, not in the sense that it will directly impact the companies in terms of their core processes or in terms of their core business, but it will definitely impact their expansion plan and it will, it will create a lot of sore points for them if they want to keep growing. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that's just like uh, international geopolitics, right? You, there's also like, your domestic decisions, right? So take for example, all Chinese companies, right, must store their data inside China. Okay, mm. so meaning all your data centers has to be in China. And then for Alibaba Cloud, right, they want to offer this service internationally. So when they go to customers and say like, oh yeah, we have this feature, we are beating AWS, we are beating GCP, Azure, whatever they can do, we also can do. And the final question, where is your data going to be stored? Oh, China. Cannot. Nope. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> so that might also be why it's so slow, right? This domestic decision also uh, from, let's say, Chinese government may also impact uh, international decisions. Let's say for EU, the data needs to be stored in a certain format. It must be able to be retrieved and also deleted at any time. So... For China, it's like, no, we are going to want to hold on to every single record. Uh, that's not going to happen, right? Mm. So EU, completely just block, right? You can't enter the market, right? Unless you do something about it. Unless maybe your data center is there. But for, let's say, Chinese government, there may be some kind of new law which says like, oh, no. If you are a Chinese company, you must follow the practices of uh, what we say. I don't care about Euro. I don't care about US. Follow. That's it. Your expansion plans also is gone. So how much you want to build your product, how much you want to go out there and serve the market also, right? Is going to be influenced, right, by your local, uh, your, your, your government, basically. Yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah, that's a good point. It's good to know. So then like that, then Alibaba got any room for growth? Huh? Is there growth opportunities other than what they are already at? Have, have, have. Southeast Asia, really. So, so mm. they, are, they are expanding uh, quite heavily into, into uh, Southeast Asia via Singapore. It's basically, it's, it's your, you jumpstart from there as a base and then you go to the rest of Southeast Asia. But uh, for reception, I think I'm not too sure yet. Uh, there, are not clear, there are no clear numbers over uh, what's the reception like la, for, for, let's say, Alibaba Cloud um, in the rest of Southeast Asia. So this ties with, uh, say, their South China Sea aggression their, their, and to the rest of their neighbours, right? So it's even, like say, for the vaccines, Simple one. Vietnam, for example, just doesn't want to take the, the Sinovac. Although it's, it's really mm. been offered to them at a, a pretty good price. No, but Vietnam has some long gone history with yeah. China. Very, very bad blood there. So mm. it's all part of it. Yes. Mm-mm-mm. So so same thing uh, for the cloud. Like, why should I use China's cloud? Yeah, we can just grow our own local one. I don't care how long it takes. But no, we're not going to support them. Right? So, mm-hmm. so this kind of, of, of data, where do you get them? It's, it's very, very qualitative. So really go to the ground. Uh, if you got yeah, you got opportunity, go and visit Thailand, go and visit Vietnam, go and talk to the locals. Say like, ah, Alibaba Cloud, do one. <laughs> That's it. So so the moment like they really get thrown off, I don't care how many features you have, I don't care your price point. It's just because it's a Chinese company I don't support. Same thing. The whole market is blocked off. This is still an unknown. Mm. Mm. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Uh, are there any uh, last things that we should know about Alibaba? Are they like innovating on something? Are they creating something interesting? You know, any, any big growth opportunities um, other than what they are really very good at? I think and in, in, we're not going to do valuations, but in today's valuation, if you see them as a value play, they are, then pricing is okay. Lah, right? In today's price, okay, I think they're, they're fine. We're not, it's not a buy call, sell call. It's not, for, <laughs> it's not a recommendation. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's just for entertainment education purposes only. But I think a lot of people are talking about Alibaba from a sense of like what they already have. You know, all these other, all these businesses they already have and given today's price, I think it's okay. Uh, it's up to you to make a decision. But 
what is the future then? You know, are we seeing like big moves from Alibaba? You know, because it seems like the one hour that we discussed, right? We're not really hearing like very, very big, you know, future with, with Alibaba. Do, are there any things that spot your eyes when you're looking at this company? I think the biggest uh, move that Alibaba is trying to make is new manufacturing. So we talk about new retail and that's on the consumer side of things. They, they play with and all these kind of things and you have the data points, right? But also on the manufacturing side, you get this data and you find these trends very quickly and produce the next set of, of uh, trendy clothes, for example, trendy goods, right? So uh, they are working with uh, Sunsi technology to actually bring this model to factories. And really, that's, that's the, the end of the chain. Like you have the manufacturing, you have the retail side, you are the platform in between to deliver. So that's like the, 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 the last like checkmate. Lah. Yeah. So yeah, you can go farming. Ah. Farming is next. Ah. <laughs> Uh, but it's all part of it. It's just a production. They they own the production. They mm. own the demand. They own the supply. It's it's just crazy. Yeah. So um, this is a very very big thing that they want to implement. Uh, starting from fashion, but that's not stopping them also from uh, say producing pr- producing uh, other kinds of goods. Yeah. So so actually farming it is possible. Um, you can grow crops in a certain way, but I'm not sure whether they have the 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 capability to do that as in the um the mines to do it. Uh. Yeah. They're more of like really e-commerce. So. This integrated uh, supply chain is very, very good for the entire ecosystem. Uh, it's not just for, for, let's say, like, oh, uh, retail only. It's for, for the entire, all their platforms uh, will benefit from this. So that's the big thing that they're trying to push. Another one, but which is more long-term, is uh, autonomous uh, driving. So they have an R&D arm, very, very small one. Uh, they're working Ali OS. They have a company called amap.com. Basically, their, their location services as well as their operating system for devices but also having uh, some kind of AI associated to it. So uh, this is very good for the uh, delivery network, right? You don't need to have drivers anymore. You don't need to have bicycles driving, uh, uh, going around and delivering stuff when you have robots. This is ridiculous. Lah. So this is a trend that is, is you can see on the horizon, right? A bit far away, but it is coming. So that's the danger, right? Um, taxi drivers, they don't have these kind of opportunities anymore because it's going to go into robots. Like even say for Grab, even for Uber, right? They have always wanted to have the fleet first and make sure that people use the platform and then just swap out the cars after that, right? For autonomous cars. I think that that's, yes. that's, that's something that everyone should know. Um, yes. It's, it's there. Lah, yeah. So once the technology already or the capability for autonomous driving is hit, let's say you take Tesla as an example, it's also possible for other companies, right? To just follow. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, so uh, very big change in terms of society. Very good thing for Alibaba. Maybe not so good thing for the country, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I think we've done a decent coverage of the whole company, understanding Alibaba from multiple angles, from its core commerce to its whole supply chain, the additional value add services that they have spun off. You know their international uh, expansion, and also talk a, a little bit about end financials and understanding how end financials play into this whole ecosystem. Then recognizing that they are only an investment, not a subsidiary of Alibaba, right? Mm. Overall, uh, it's your own investment decision. But I would say that from Alibaba's perspective, they're very big. Um, whether or not they can double or triple, that's a very big question mark also, you know, from an investor's viewpoint. Uh, but yeah, they, I would say that they are very, very uh, solid company from a fundamental viewpoint, right? So do your own study. If any questions, just drop in the comment section and we can discuss as we go along. Okay? Thank you, guys. See ya. Have fun. Take care. Woo! Yay! Nice. <laughs> Yay! 
Hey Coconut, so I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.